We'll pick up then uh, with those words from 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul there. If you want to open up your own Bibles, if you've got one of these white and blue Bibles from the row there, you can find this lesson from 2 Thessalonians on page 959. Otherwise, if you've got your own Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's pray as we hear God's Word briefly. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come to us and sanctify us, make us holy by the truth, for your Word is truth. Do not let me, your servant, stand in the way of your people hearing this Word. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if it's the Lord uh, preparing me for just uh, being able to study this section of Scripture or if there was something else going on, but I've, I've had a number of events in my life that deal with the distinction of between seeing other people who make mistakes and then telling people uh, who are trying to deceive me or manipulate me. Uh, and, and so what happened, like, for example, the first one is I bought this thing called a computer hub off of eBay. It's basically a gadget that allows me to plug in a lot of different devices into this, um, in, into this device. And I, I, I was excited to get it. I went and plugged it into my computer, uh, and then I realized it wasn't working properly. And I said, what's going on here? And I, so I looked at the model number, and then I went and looked at, at what the guy was selling, uh, and then I went and looked online, and I realized, oh, the model number is not the one that will actually do what I need it to do, but the model number was also not the same as the one that the guy told me he was selling. I wanted the one he said he was selling. He sent me the wrong one. I don't know if he was deceiving me, you know, intentionally cheating, if he put the wrong model number down, or if it was just a mistake. I, I sent him a message, and I said, well, I'll try to make it work. We'll see what we can figure out. And we just moved on in life. Ironically, it was about a month later, maybe two months later, that I was selling something on eBay, selling some computer memory, shipped it out to the guy. I, about a week later, I get this message. Liar, liar, God will punish you. What happened, man? He sends me a message and he says, well, you told me it was this and it's this. And I said, I'm sorry, if you want to send it back, I'll be glad to refund you. Obviously, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Ah, oh, yeah, no, no, you were trying to cheat me and lie to me and deceive me. No, man, I just made a mistake. Sorry, if you want to send it back, right? He was just livid uh, about this supposed deceit that I was trying to pull over on him. Uh, and then about a week ago, my, my son wanted to uh, get some toys before bedtime. I said, okay, fine. And he said, well, mom doesn't let me go into this room. And I said, oh, that must be like a general rule. He doesn't let you, she doesn't let you go into the room unsupervised because I know that you pull all the toys off of the shelf. So I'll come in with you. And, and then we came out with this toy. And mom says, what are you doing? I told him he couldn't have those toys. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. You know, I thought. And my son, then we went upstairs. He was, he was crying. He was bawling. I said, what's wrong? And he says, well, I, I'm sorry I lied to you. I deceived you. And, you know, we've been talking about the difference between deceit and manip lies and, and making mistakes. And I said, no, no, you didn't deceive me. It was a mistake on both sides. I just misunderstood you. There's a, a big difference between intentionally trying to deceive me or cheat, lie to me and then just making a mistake. That's a skill that we need to, to differentiate. And I don't want to be like this, this guy who says to me, liar, liar, God will punish you. I mean, if I go into the grocery store and I pick the wrong thing, pick something off the shelf and it turns out not to be what I wanted, I, I don't want to spend the rest of my life ranting and raving about how awful Walmart is because they mispackaged some box. I mean, that's just, that's a foolish waste of my time and my emotional energy. Uh, and, but that's what this guy decided it was worth doing in his life. And Jesus as well, God as well, as you and I prepare for the end, one of the, the key skills is to be able to differentiate between people who are simply mistaken and all of the mistakes that take place as we get ready for the end. 
and the person who is actually trying to deceive us. That's the skill that we need to, to learn today. Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way about the man of lawlessness. We need this skill of seeing a mistake versus seeing deceit. And we need to do three things as we're going to take a look at this. First of all, we need to know with whom we need to apply the skill, what the skill is, and then the end of the skill, or how do we get rid of the skill because we won't need it anymore. So first of all, who we need to apply this skill of differentiating between a mistake and true deceit. Uh, the Paul, Paul is still speaking here in light of the end of all things, and he says uh, about the coming of our Lord Jesus, which is the same way as him saying the end times or the last day or, or the day of judgment. All of those are the same time. And he says, don't get alarmed if people tell you that the world has ended. His assumption is, or his, what he wants you and I to realize is plainly those people are mistaken. What you really need to think about is don't let anyone deceive you about the man of lawlessness. And so don't let... Don't, let, don't fall into mistakes. Instead, don't let anybody deceive you. That's the big thing. Now, I think he does a really good thing for us here. This teaching, this idea that the end of the world has already come is a dominant teaching in Protestant American Christianity. Uh, I would say it's not right, uh, but you will hear it quite frequently. We hear it every time somebody uh, prophesies or predicts the end of the world. And there's been a lot of predictions of the end of the world, and I think, I think we can all tell that those are mistakes. Um, you see it also in the way that, that some people say there's been a rapture or a taking away of people of some sort, and, and I think that those are probably mistakes. I think, by and large, it's proven that everybody is still here uh, the most common way we hear this, and it's the most subtle, it's the hardest to tell, but it's the most common, is that a lot of, of people will say, when Jesus comes to you as a spiritual person, a spiritual coming to you, and he becomes a living reality to you, that is his second coming. That's the true second coming of, of Christ. And so if you've if you've recognized Jesus as a living reality, then you've already experienced the second coming. You know the second coming. You don't need to wait for historical, actual end to the world. And I would say that I think all of those are mistakes. I think we generally can see the evidence, although I will admit that a lot of people think those various ideas uh, that the end has already come. And, and so the Apostle Paul says, I don't want you to be alarmed about those things. Because we, Paul, and he's doing a great thing for us here. In America, we live in a very anxious system. We, we, are, we have a, a system of people, uh, Edwin Friedman calls us a, a system of people that is very anxious. We are, it's an anxiety-ridden system. And, and so you can see every time somebody says the world has ended, uh, we all freak out, uh, or, or the world is going to end, right? Everybody panics. Uh, and the problem with that is then we miss the real deceit that is going on. We miss the real cheating or deceiving. See, and Paul doesn't say who this deceiver really is. He doesn't say who this man of lawlessness specifically is. He says, he doesn't tell us if it's one person, uh, you know, or a group of people. 
He doesn't tell us if it's an institution or an organization. He says there's this entity, this man of lawlessness entity. And, and we might hear that and say, that sounds like a person, one man, but you have to hear it like it's ancient Israel. Uh, remember, Jesus is called the son of man. Does that mean he somehow like bypassed a woman? He wasn't born of a woman? No, I mean, right? Son of man there means he's the son of human beings. He's the epitome of what it means to be a human being. Uh, and in the same way, you know, this man of lawlessness could be a whole, all of humanity. Right? It could be the human, human humanity or all human beings who are, are lawless. Now, and what Paul says is, there's this man of lawlessness, this entity, this, this group out there to deceive us. Now, some of you are probably saying, oh, here we go again. We got a preacher. Preacher comes along and he says, I've got this great spiritual insight. Let me tell you my spiritual insight and then you won't be deceived. Oh, right. That's what you need to, to fill up your Sunday morning. Uh, but that actually is the furthest thing from what the Apostle Paul is telling you. And let me show you. Like I said, we know almost nothing about this entity or this organization. The one thing we do know, Paul says this. He says, he will impose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. You see that? That's the one thing Paul tells us of this man of lawlessness. If you hear me, you realize the person who will deceive is a religious person. The person who will, will deceive people is, is somebody like me. So I'm actually not telling you I have this great spiritual insight and you should all listen to me. I'm actually telling you if there's one person you should watch out for, it's me. I'm probably the bad guy. Uh, right? I mean, this Paul says here, there is somebody who is religious out there who is trying to set himself up as God to oppose people, uh, oppose God himself, and, and, and play, the, play, the, play the pace of God, play the game of God. Uh, and, and I would not even try to, to tell you today exactly you know, who this is. Normally this is such a, a lesson we take like in a, a Bible study because it's hard. But plainly you should be careful of me, you should be careful of other religious teachers. There has to be both trust and mistrust. I looked through a, a brief Wikipedia article just listing uh, of the people who had been identified as this man of lawlessness, and there's something like 30 individuals in the history of time who have been specifically by reputable uh, thinkers have been identified as this man of lawlessness. I will say, and I, I profess, and I agree with this, that most Protestant Christians, most Christians since the time of the, the Reformation, have said that the papacy fulfills, it, it carries out all of these uh, aspects here of this man of lawlessness. Right? So the papacy has fulfilled this prophecy. But whoever you think this is, the real deceit takes God's place. That's the real deceit. That's what we watch out for. That's who we use this skill with. Now, immediately that makes me think, wait a second. I have a friend. He has a little boy five-year-old boy. He loves to pretend to be a pastor. He gets his little pulpit out, and he puts his little robes on, 
And then he says, I'm a pastor. You listen to me preach. And then every now and then he gets a little kind of right, wild and he says, look at me. I can walk on water. I'm like Jesus. And he says, you really should listen to me because I'm, I'm like God. You know, I got a good answers for everybody. So do I need to watch out for this five-year-old boy? Is he the deceiver that, that this is about? I don't think so, right? Uh, and yet, do you know how many people are out there claiming to be a Messiah? I mean, just a, just a short list. Uh, there's probably a, a, a hundred historical figures who have actually said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. Follow me. How can we tell when to use this skill, this difference between just making a mistake, because plainly a lot of people are mistaken about the end of the world, and then when we're really getting deceived? Paul has this great way of saying it. He says, the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. You heard what he says here? He says, watching out for deceit doesn't mean that you go and hunt it down. You don't have to pour through every idea of of life and hunt down all of these false savior claims. It also says you don't run away from them. You hold, he says, hold it back. The one who now holds this secret power of lawlessness back, that's that's what you do. You just stand there and you hold it back. And I like the picture of the little boy, right, with his finger in the dike or the, the finger in the dam, and, and you're holding the, the man of lawlessness back. I'm more of a, of a Lord of the Rings fan. You know, uh, Gandalf puts this dike, dike down, and he says to the Balrog, you shall not pass. It's a great thing. You just hold that evil back. Now, can I, so what, here's, what, here's how we can see what that might look like for us. Here's a way. Martin Luther had this nice picture. He said, the world is like a drunken peasant. You help him get on the horse, and he immediately falls off the other side of the horse. Uh, and what did he mean by that? He meant that we, as, as human beings, we have this terrible propensity, this terrible con- constant uh, habit of we fall from one really radical thing to the next really radical thing. And Paul says, Paul is pointing out to us here Here's one of the radical things that people fall for. This man of lawlessness, lawlessness is actually a, a technical term. It's a specific term. It doesn't mean disobedience. Paul is not talking about disobedience. And lawlessness is not uh, saying, I will, I know what's right, but I refuse to do it. Lawlessness is saying, who are you to tell me what's right or wrong? I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. I'm the only person who gets to decide what's right and wrong. I I don't know about you, but plenty of people in in my life want to tell me, you know, you have to be a good person. You do the good stuff. You have to be a good person. And then God or uh, the universe will accept you and love you and your life will work out okay. And the flip side of, of that, you know, I've got plenty of other people. There's a whole other side of the horse where people say, look, you can just do whatever you want. I'm the law unto myself. I reject. I don't think you can tell me what I get to do with my life. I'm going to do my own thing. It's just me. Me, my, my thing, right? And when, when what we really need to do, Paul says the skill to have in the middle of this is to, to hold between those two things. The skill that we need to have is, is not to say, yeah, you've got to be a good person, and that's, that's going to make your life turn out okay. 
And, and it's not to say, you know, it's just me and I can do whatever I want. The skill is to stand in the middle and say, I am a sinful person. I've, I've messed up on a whole ton of things. But I am also at the same time loved and forgiven and accepted. The skill is to stand in the middle and say, I am, I am lost. I am plainly lost in this whole big confusing mess. And yet, God can, Jesus can look at me and say, I am more found than I've ever realized that I am. The skill is to stand in the middle and, and to be able to say, I am broken and a wreck, and yet in Jesus, God sees me as more whole and beautiful than I've ever imagined. The skill is to stand there and to be able to say, God sees, yes, that I am falling apart, and, and yet in the gospel, I'm also more put together than I've ever realized that I was. The skill is to stand and say, God sees that I, I've messed up a ton of things in my life. I'm, a, I'm really a pretty good failure. And yet, when God looks at me in Jesus, he sees all of these things working out for his incredible good uh, because of the death of, and the life of his son. Right? The gospel is this message that pushes on us and both at the same time says, yes, you are, you are lost, and at the same time you are, you are more loved and forgiven than you ever knew you were. It's the, it's the cross standing in the middle of the two sinners, the one on each side, and, and you have strength there. You have that balance, that spot to stand. You're not falling off the horse, so to speak. Right? You have the space to stand to hold back the lawlessness. And that's the skill that we need. That's what the skill is. It's, it's that place to hold, to stand against the lawlessness that has, is coming from us on either side. And how long do we need this skill for? Paul puts it this way. He says, The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Paul is making a, a very helpful thing here. Paul, you know, Some Christians have tried to get away from the lawlessness uh, of life by fighting against what they, they have seen as this lawless one. Right? So we get things like the Crusades, where people go to literally go to war to try to destroy the lawless one. We get, we get political movements, the religious right or other things, trying to destroy this lawlessness. Uh, and then we get on the other side, people who say, look, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to run away from life and, and stay out of it all. And, and, and that looks like monasteries and, and cloisters and, and nunneries where we, we escape from all of the, the evil one who is coming from us. You can't, you can't do either of those, right? What, what takes care of the lawlessness, the lawless one? It's with the one that Jesus will overthrow with his splendor, the splendor of his coming. That's what handles the lawless one. I was reading this um, comment from an English teacher. She was teaching in a, a secular college, and she had her kids read the Sermon on the Mount, and they just they absolutely hated reading it. They said, the Sermon on the Mount makes me feel like I should be perfect, and nobody is perfect. I hate feeling guilty. What happened to him? That the splendor of, of Jesus, the glory of, of Jesus, was overwhelming them. And they're not the only ones. Right? Time and again in history, people have been overwhelmed. They've been overjoyed by the splendor and the glory of Jesus. And when the splendor of, of Jesus becomes real to you, when his glory is magnificently on display, that's what drives 
the lawlessness out of our lives. I think there's no better example than the man in the Bible named Stephen. Stephen was one of the men chosen by the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples to bring food and other basic physical aid to the first followers of Jesus. Because of his important role as a, in that, that unit or that congregation, uh, Stephen got arrested very early on, and he was placed on trial. He, and he, he, when he was placed on trial, it was a really great thing. He didn't spend the whole time he was on trial uh, defending himself, which he very well could have. What he actually did is he, he just told the story of Israel, and he told how the whole story of the people of Israel culminated in Jesus. He put the glory of Jesus on display People who were watching that trial said, his face is shining like an angel. He's shining like an angel. And so they, they got ticked at him. They took him outside. They stoned him. And the more they stoned him, then Stephen said, I see the glory of Jesus, the glory of, of the Son of God. The splendor was shining down on him. And people noticed that light. It was the splendor of Jesus that drove away, that destroyed all of the deceit in the religious leaders' faces. That's what destroys the deceit that you and I face. It's the splendor and the glory of Jesus that will drive it away. And the more that we see that light now, the more that we will see the deceit clearly for what it is and be ready for that last day when the glory of the Son of God will destroy all deceit one last time. It'll all go away. That's because splendor destroys deceit. Glory destroys deceit. And the clarity of the glory will drive it all away. Let's pray for that, huh? Dear Jesus, it is so easy to indulge in mistakes uh, right now. That is, to, to, to find ourselves trapped and to... Uh, to be anxious and worried about all of the, the mistakes that people make about the end of the world, the end of our times. And man, we are, we are so anxious about that thing. And, but that at the same time, then what we miss is the bigger deceit that's going on, the, the lies and the manipulation that we are experiencing. And we pray that you would give us a firm place to stand in the middle of this. Let us hold all of this lawlessness back until the day when your glory shines clearly through and the deceit is driven away before us. We pray for that day in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.